We live in a world of violence, war, magic, and the supernatural. This is the Voice of Hope podcast, and you can call me Beacon, your auditory guide to the safety of Castle Refuge. Good evening, everybody. This is Beacon. Sorry it's been a while since uh, I've put out a podcast. Uh, unfortunately, uh, life gets in the way, but that's just an excuse. Uh, tonight, we've got Sean Roberson from Palladium Books and the Savage Worlds Lime developer now to talk about a couple things. Uh, this was recorded earlier on Wednesday. Um, as of right now, we're going to be talking about the Game Changer and the Kickstarters, but the Game Changer for the Savage Rifts double feature over at PEG is at day 7, so you've got a week out before it completes, and it is currently at $64,729. Sean, how are you doing this evening? It seems like it's been pretty busy for you, considering Kickstarter, Game Changer, Christmas grab bags. How have things been going? Yeah. It's been super busy. Um, you're right. Uh, with the Game Changer, with the kick, the Titan Robotics Kickstarter, the um, Pinnacle Game Changer for Savage Rifts, um, and then there's also the Christmas Surprise Packages at Palladium Books. And we have um, a, a massive bunch of bundles of holdings uh, going on right now for the you know classic Rifts material as well. And so that's all been a lot of different things going on at the same time. <laughs> nice. Yeah, about a year or two ago with my local gaming group, or we've been talking about Merry Riftsmas every time it comes around, but it's definitely been a very, <laughs> very Merry Riftsmas this year. It has, it has, and, and it's been really great. I know that a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, this is great, but can it not all happen at the same time? And, <laughs> and we're doing our best to try and deconflict stuff, but sometimes that's how, the, how it goes um, with various promotional items that aren't necessarily uh i mean it's not our for instance you know bundle of holdings not a, a, a palladium initiative right um that's a completely separate type of deal and and so it's interesting how some of these things will all kind of just happen to line up around the same time yeah, and sometimes it just the universe aligns in that way. So, you know, you're at Palladium, you're in Michigan. So what is the Palladium building like in the holidays? Is there like a giant, like inflatable splugorth with a Santa, Santa Claus hat, like in the corner or something? Um, so actually, um, we have, Kevin's a huge Star Wars fan, um, as am I, but he has a lot of collectible stuff and he also really goes all out when it comes to, uh, to Halloween. He, he and his girlfriend, they build, um, huge life-size mannequins and stuff like that. So we have a life-size Santa in the warehouse. We have a life-size cutout of C-3PO with a Santa hat on it. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, Christmas, Christmas stuff all over the building. All right, so you just deeply disappointed me, my friend. There, There is not a full one-to-one scale Glitter Boy anywhere in the Palladium warehouse? Oh, we do have a, we do have a big um, cutout of a Glitter Boy, um, pretty much one-to-one size, maybe a little small. Um, and that ha- that's from the old Rift's Promise to Power uh, game, and it was a promotional item or a prop, and we have, uh, we have Christmas lights on it. Oh, okay. At some point, you're going to. I mean, 3D printers. Where, where's, where's the Glitter Boy cosplay? I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't know. You should tell me. You're the guy that's big into 3D printing. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's valid. So, 
That would be a lot of PLA. I don't think my wife would allow me to spend that much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, it's been a while since we talked. Last time we talked, unfortunately. Sorry, listeners. Life is in the way, as usual. We talked about Atlantis and the Demon Seas uh, a while ago. And um, so some of the people have been talking and wanted to talk to you a little bit about the new iconic magic system, uh, partly for Palladium, but also within uh, Savage Rifts. So tattoo magic. So, why is tattoo magic such a big deal in Palladium? Like, what was Kevin's idea behind the the idea behind tattoo magic in general? Oh, gee, I don't know. I, I haven't picked his brain on that one in particular. Um, but I will say that I think the the tattoo magic is super interesting because basically you have a character that's not skilled in the mystic arts or sorcery, right? They don't understand. The magic, sort of like if you have a headhunter in Rifts or a combat cyborg, they generally don't understand the cybernetic, you know, modification that they have. Um, in the same way, the tattoo warriors are characters that don't understand the the mystical creation of their tattoos. They're combat experts that just utilize that um, in their in in in. Or, or or not even just combat experts, but they're experts that utilize that in the field, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that that's part of the the draw of tattoo magic is kind of the the power fantasy or the dream of what if I had all these powers, but I still got to focus on being a warrior. Yeah, true. Now, of course, you and I growing up in the 90s, the other big, big thing that a lot of younger people may not recognize, back in the 90s when Palladium came out, not like one in four people had tattoos like t tattoos was like one of those things like your you know your second or third cousin was in a rock band might have them but it wasn't a regular thing so it was kind of edgy much like a lot of the things in riffs right it was very edgy people didn't have like whole sleeves or backs covered in tattoos that was that was simply the the domain of um, people who really wanted to shock others or the Yakuza or something like that in Japan. So it was, it was not a, um, it was not a, as widespread uh, tattoos were not as widespread as they are now. And they weren't as advanced. Uh, the it's really come. The technology has really improved over the past uh, few decades as well. Yep. Agreed. So, looking at the like the palladium system so what was the challenge of translating translating the ma tattoo magic into savage rifts well there's a lot of challenges um one thing was um the naming conventions i, I did change up the naming conventions a little bit um, another thing that was challenging was what's the balance of having the you know, the, the, the simpler weapon tattoos versus the more powerful weapon tattoos, right? What's the, why would you even have those other tattoos? Now in the palladium system, the answer is pretty simple because they don't cost nearly as much uh, PPE to activate. And so when I was doing the conversion over, um, I, I, I thought, you know, I need to retain that flavor. And so for the, for anybody who's listening, you know, kind of the whole point is, is that, yeah, as a tattooed warrior, of whatever flavor you might be like there's the undead slayers there's the atlantean nomad but especially the undead slayer uh the that the the tattooed warriors um they only have so much 
uh, only their energy pool is only so large. Um, there are some important mechanics, like in the Adventure Edition of Savage Worlds, you can trade in a Benny for, for extra power points. Um, but in general, the whole idea is focused on the fact that you can't um, you can't easily gain, you can't increase that pool of power points that you have to activate your tattoos with. So you have to be act tactically and decide how you're going to approach each combat with what you're going to summon, what powers you're going to spend a lot of your PowerPoint pool on in, in within, you know, that combat or that scenario. So um, the other thing was bringing in the idea of in Palladium Rifts, the tattoos can turn a character into a, an MDC being they become a, they get transformed into a basically like almost like a creature of magic. They have, they can take mega damage. Um, and so bringing that idea over wasn't more, wasn't, was less of a one for one type of idea. Um, so instead of, of, of just saying you get this bonus or that bonus, it's each tattoo adds a point of toughness to the character so they can get, they can get pretty beefy, right? Um, and if you become a full tattoo warrior, um, you know, it, it can help mitigate other combat I issues like, um, uh, you know, easily, you know, different injuries and stuff like that. So it's, a, it, it was a little bit different. It was a little bit different approach um, because the two systems work. Their damage modeling is so different, but um, in the end, I think we found our, I found a pretty good, um, a pretty good base system. And then we did a lot of play testing and had a lot of great feedback from fans. That's cool. So basically, the tattoo magic is more like cybernetics than it is an arcane background. Right. So you don't need a special skill to activate your tattoos. Um, it's 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 more yeah. It's it's like cybernetics in that you the, you know the, the the warrior who obtains them um, doesn't know how they work. They just use them, you know, within within the setting and within the combats, and they're more focused on other skill sets, right? Um, as opposed to like a techno wizard who knows how to build the item and pull the trigger, the tattoo warrior is just focused on, on, on implementing those, those items within their area of expertise. Um, and that also is nice because there's, that means that there is a, there, you don't have to have a whole nother skill that you're, you're, you're dumping your points into. You can more freely select combat or espionage or whatever, you know, floats your boat type skills uh, within your character concept. Gotcha. So uh, SPF, when he was doing uh, the original Savage Rifts, one of the things they talked about was uh, coming around to mega damage, and they started out with heavy weapons, and then they kind of went away from it and just kind of naturally came back to it as, well, this is a mechanic that works in Savage Worlds. You know, do we need something different? Nope, it just works. Let's stick with it. Was that kind of how you came around to just using strain and kind of modeling the tattoos off the cybernetics? Um, where did that idea come from? Um, yeah, it, 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 to me, it seemed like it was something that, so with the, the, since the adventure edition of Savage Worlds, um, let me see, how do I put this? Uh, let me think for just a second. Um, yeah. So with the adventure edition of Savage Worlds, one of the things that, uh, we introduced because you need to have like a lot of weapons gained the ability to have a fire mode that like, for instance, laser rifles, 
um, a lot of laser rifles became gained a uh, you know a, a pulse or or um, beam type attack that can cause mega damage by expending more ammunition. Um, and that kind of came from my own, you know, experience as a Palladium player when using the early, um, you know, short burst, long burst rules in in rifts. You, suddenly, a rifle could turn into a laser rifle or something could turn into a weapon that um, a power armor pilot or something might fear, right? Um, and so I kind of brought that idea back in um, with that. Now that means that there is there are a lot of items that deal. Uh, can deal mega damage or heavy damage in, in, in core Savage Worlds terms. And so um, one of the things that I, um, I added was that, for instance, the Cyber Knight um, ignores gritty damage. So in the Adventure Edition of Rifts, if you take if you're, you don't have mega damage armor and you take a hit from a mega damage weapon, it can cause gritty damage. Um, as you know, the the setting rule in um, in Savage Worlds. In other words, it can it can cause an injury on your character um, that you have to deal with. And through playtesting, we found that people really enjoyed that. Right, the crazy would take these different injuries, but then they would bioregenerate them. Right, um, with certain characters like like the Cyber Knight, it made more sense that they could ignore that level of 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 threat because they had these huge boosts to their armor. Um, well potentially huge, depending on what iconic edges you get um, from their cyber armor. So with the Tattooed Warrior, um, I brought in the same idea that once you get to a certain point in your progress into becoming a being that has been physically changed, it's almost alchemically right through the the tattoos, you can start to ignore gritty damage the same way. Um, So that's kind of a core concept there to, uh, to help them find their spot within that progression of infantry using weapons that only hurt infantry, tanks that use weapons that only hurt tanks, and something in between. Because Rifts really straddles that line and is about basically high-powered infantry tactics. Small, you know, small unit uh, tactics, right? right? So so that's kind of, a, since that's kind of a focus, the finding where each character class or iconic framework fits within that progression is really important. One of the challenges with Palladium Rifts was that everything became mega damage eventually, whereas this way <laughs> you're kind of avoiding the long-term negative effect of mega damage, that gritty damage, but you still have to deal with, because mega damage weapons normally do higher amounts of damage than regular ones. Right. They Right. They also do higher amounts of damage, right? Yeah, and so it, it, it's a little more nuanced. There's a little bit more of a a smoother... It's not just suddenly you're you're up that ramp and at the top of it, right? It's a little bit more of a um, a, a nuanced progression. Yeah, I mean, like one of the things I learned in my um, uh, my uh, rap- Savage Rapid City game was, holy crap, powered armor is awesome until you pull out vehicle weapons and you know, and somebody's going to use rail guns and vehicle lasers against your powered armor, and they will eat through your powered armor infantry in minutes. <laughs> Right, and that's the thing. You start bringing out, yeah, um, you start bringing out anti, you know, material weapons, you know, anti-tank type weaponry, and yeah, suddenly the power armor trooper goes from um, Man of Steel invincible to, uh-oh, that could hurt. <laughs> yeah. Even the Glitter Boy, you get you get the right hits on a Glitter Boy, um, or you get a lucky hit or two on a Glitter Boy, 
and it can start to challenge the pilot. Um, although, uh, I think the, the adventure edition of the glitter boy is pretty great. It's, uh, I, a buddy of mine was running one and, uh, it was really cool to see him tee off against, against a spider skull Walker. It was a cool duel. Yeah. Uh, I've, I enjoyed both, uh, both iterations of the glitter boy. Um, so one of the things in looking at it, so with the strain system, so in uh, Atlantis and the Demon Sea, you also, so magic tattoos and biowizardry both uh, use the strain system like cybernetics. So how do those, how do those three things interact? Like, is there any nuance to like how uh, strain affects people with tattoos versus biowizardry versus cybernetics? Well, I mean, so so cybernetics still cause problems if in case you if you want to use anything, if you want to use any um, arcane skills. Right. So that's still something to worry about. And so if you're taking cybernetics with your character that has uh, magic tattoos, that is that's the strain from cybernetics is going to apply negatives um, to whatever you're trying to do and activate. So that's something to definitely keep in mind that there is a penalty there. Um, it's You can't freely mix and match those, uh, although there are some edges you can take to negate um, a couple of those things, uh, or, or a certain, a couple of levels of penalties. Um, but in general, the strain system is really great because it's, all, well, A, it's already exists. Everyone's already familiar with it when from Savage Worlds, and I could call it something different than strain, but really it's, you know, most characters that have um, these different things, it's important to see how they stack up and how that starts to. There's that you got to have some sort of limit that you can max out for your character. So keeping it all under the same roof um, made sense to me, and then it seems to have worked out really well um, in playtesting and, and and actual application as well. Um, and I've, I've some people have really enjoyed um, you know playing the bi the various uh, flavors of Bioborg. Um, and the tattooed warriors. So I'm, I'm really happy with how it came out. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the main thing to remember is that, is that cybernetics, uh, do, Im do impose penalties on, um, your tattoo, you know, warriors. Gotcha. Okay. And, uh, going along with that, then the, um, the edges that increase your available strain limits, like beyond the beyond the limit, those will apply to uh, bioborgs and tattoo magic as well. Uh, yeah, there's specific notes in uh, under those classes. Um, so, like for instance, the bioborg um, starts with uh, a you know a lot of those things already built into. Um, their build and their amount of strain. Um, so um, they can, you can still get more, more strain from a great upgradable or the beyond the limit. Um, but, you know, taking another bio wizard physical transformation, for instance, would kill them. So you have to be careful about what you, you know, make sure you read the details when you go to take new abilities. Not that bio wizard transformation shouldn't be something in general that a game master is just handing out willy nilly. That's a real crazy kind of thing to happen to a character in the first place. So, um, but yeah, they, they, they generally do work together very well. Gotcha. Yeah. Actually my current game is dealing with the 
Splugorth and uh, Archie and all that stuff, and I've been playing all around with the Biowizardry stuff a lot because of Atlantis. I haven't towed into uh, NPCs with tattoos yet, but... Mm, okay. Um, so you mentioned earlier, so there's three frameworks that gain tattoos as a beginning part of the package. The Tattoo uh, Man, the Undead Slayer, and the Atlantean. Now, uh, the two of those are Atlantean only, correct? Well, so there's the, yeah, there's the Tattoo Warrior, there's the Undead Slayer, and then there's the Atlantean Nomad. Yeah. So, um, the, the two that are, are, are heavily focused on it are the T-Warrior and then, um, the Undead Slayer. Gotcha. The one big thing I noticed between the two of those, actually, the un, the Undead Slayer actually doesn't suffer from the same uh, mental degradation as the Tattooed Warrior is one of the things I noticed in reviewing these. No, and that's one of the big things um, when you read the lore. So the Undead Slayers are specifically chosen and trained um, to deal with that and raised from a, a very young age to deal with that. I mean, they're not stolen from their homes like most tattooed warriors are. Now, um, it, there are some really great um, iconic edges that you can take um, as, as a tattooed warrior. So the maxi warrior is an option. And those are, again, they're, they're Slugor slaves, but they're trained from a younger age and they're getting a lot more benefits. And they're also... They're in, in, in the case of the Undead Slayer and the Maxi Warrior, they're given their tattoos more slowly, which is a big thing in the lore. If you start cramming lots of tattoos onto a character, it could kill them, and, but it's also extremely painful. Um, and so just the, the process of getting a tattoo, because it basically is kind of bonded with your character's soul or aura or however you want to put that um but it's fun i mean if if it, uh, when you're building characters to have these different varieties of tattooed warriors that you can play um and the other thing that's fun is with the tattooed warrior you can also build a tattooed archer a tattooed monster warrior um if you there's a, a couple of edges for that in addition to the maxi warrior so we've got a lot of options there for you but it's sort of like the juicer um, and then in, you know, if from the main tomorrow legion players guide, you have the base juicer. And then when you get to empires of humanity, there's all the juicer upgrade treatments. So if you want to play a Titan juicer or a mega juicer or a Phaeton juicer or whatever, you have those options the same kind of way here. Um, when you build your character from the beginning, you can decide, Oh, I want my character to not just be an old tattooed warrior. He's a maxi warrior, or I want them to be a tattooed archer or a monster warrior. That's cool. Actually, what you were just talking about made me just grab my Secrets of the Atlanteans book because there are some really cool uh, options, possibly, that we might hopefully we'll see in the future, uh, similar to the Undead Slayer. Yeah, we'll see. The, the thing about the um, that is a, a dimension book. And right now, um, the current license between Pinnacle and um, Palladium is that uh, is, is for the Rifts Earth setting so if we were going to do any material that's contained explicitly contained within a dimension book that would have there would have to be an extra licensing deal made there but gotcha. for right now i think we've got some really great stuff and then the other thing is you know, there are new options coming in um for south america um with really? the city of gold there so what more tattoo options with them as well Yes. Um, let me forget. I can't remember. I'm looking at the book right now. Um, 
or <laughs> where it is in its current state um, it is it is pretty far along. So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking through. I can't find it off the top of my my list here. But um, no, there is there is. Um, and, and of course, some of this is in play. This is all in playtesting right now. But uh, there is um, the uh, the the special kind of tattoos and tattoo warriors that are in South America. Um, so I can't remember how we did that. I, I'm looking at the, the I mean, it's a large 192 page book, right? But um, I believe we have that conversion in here um, for the ah uh, oh, escapes to me off the top of my head the monster shaping tattoos. Ah, well, you can, uh, you, you can look for that one for later in our discussion. <laughs> that uh, sounds good. <laughs> so along with that though, so if tattoos are a lot like cybernetics, can other iconic frameworks actually benefit them? Like can a, can a juicer or crazy get, uh, tattoos? Absolutely. So that's one of the great things about, um, if you go and you check out Lannis and the Demon Seas, um, one of the edges is new ink. So um, now you have to be a dragon, an elf, a human, an ogre, or a true Atlantean. Um, but your character has an in with a tattoo master, and you can get a new magic tattoo. Um, but uh, you can't take power tattoos unless you're veteran rank or higher, and the rank and the edge can only be taken once per rank. So you can get tattoo, and that that one transferred over fairly well from the source material, right? So over as you progress. Um, there are lore. There's lore that says that, for instance, cyber knights. That there's there's uh, there are stories and 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 uh, you know hushed uh, stories that there's there there may be a tattoo master that will um, impart loyal, brave cyber knights with with magic tattoos if they earn it. So you know, using that new ink edge, you can get those for other characters that fit within that within that framework. Um, cool. But it's, I mean, it's mo a lot of characters can get that. Now, for like the juicer, for example, in the negatives, they, they, so they're, when they gain strain, it actually reduces burn. Does the strain from the magic tattoo also have the same effect on their burn? Yes, it would, it wouldn't, that would not change. Gotcha. Okay. So the, the strain rules still apply. So if you have another. Right. Icon, the normal strain rules still apply. So it, yep. uh, when it goes to races, you talked about uh, those limits. Of course, elves have some extra negatives as well, correct? Yes, elves also have extra negatives, right? So you'll want to definitely make sure you look that up in the tattoo, um, the tattoo magic section of Atlantis and the Deep Seas. Um, they can it, basically it it can scar. Elves can become scarred, physically scarred from tattoo magic. It doesn't. It doesn't mix with their biology very well. Gotcha. Cool. And so in building this up, it sounded like you kind of had a discussion with Kevin about maybe expanding beyond those four uh, species. Uh, was there any specific, did he have some specific ideas, you know, like what was his, some of his ideas behind limiting it to those specific races? Yeah, um, it's funny. I see a lot of people saying, "Oh, we should be able, you know, let other races do it." Um, no, I mean the all of it really comes down to um, the fact that he was. I think his vision was for it to be something very special for um, kind of the true Atlantean storyline, and the special place within, I think, the megaverse 
that humans inha- humans inhabit, they're they're kind of constantly beset by all types of evil, right? Um, and so I, 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 but, but, you know, I'm not sure, you know, when we had the discussion, I did discuss it with him. I said, I just want to make sure that we're super clear on this. Um, right. Psy stalkers couldn't get magic tattoos, um, psy ghosts or other, you know, human, um, mutant strains. And so the, the thing to remember is, is that, um, human, so true Atlanteans are humans. They just have they're basically like kind of like enchanted humans. Their DNA isn't different. They've just have some sort of permanent magic enchantment on them, if you could call it that. Um, and so in that way, they humans and true Atlanteans can get magic tattoos. Of course, the Chengku dragons who created magic, tattoo magic, can get magic tattoos. And um, so can uh, ogres in Palladium, the Palladium lore. Um, in the larger mythos, um, most races can't interbreed. You don't have like half elves running around everywhere, right? Um, but one of the the two races that are close enough that they can are humans and ogres. Ogres are just kind of like Neanderthal esque humans, right? And so, um, in that way, they can also uh, they also are compatible with tattoo magic but um yeah the 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 type of tattoo magic that the chengku taught to the true atlanteans was specifically for human physiology and it doesn't it doesn't even work very well with elves who are supposed to be fairly um closely related to humans in physiology so um that's that it, it was very very clear kevin and i discussed it uh he you know he does not see it uh, being applicable to any other races and uh yeah gotcha. that's why no that's cool and that's uh it's always interesting and and good to know the creator's intentions behind things so on a complete segue though so could an o could you have an ogre elemental fusionist then since they're so close to human Uh, no, I don't think that the, the, no, you, you couldn't. Um, and that's, you know, it's not like the same logic applies to bend other rules. <laughs> I just, in this specific instance, we talked about it. Um, and that was, you know, was his interpretation of, of it. But, uh, no, you, that doesn't mean you could have an ogre elemental fusionist. Gotcha. And, uh, so sea titans are also, magically altered away far enough from humans that they would not benefit from those. Um, let me look at the wording that I put in there. That's a good question um, with sea titans because technically they started as humans, but they have become permanently changed. Um, They're almost like see. human demigods, if you will. Right. Speaking of demigods, um, but... Uh, Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's actually one to put in the the the, the official Q and A. <laughs> I'd have to think about that one. Um, I could see, I could see it. I, I, I'm, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, um, I don't see why a Sea Titan. I mean, Sea Titan is technically a separate race in game mechanical terms, but they're humans. So I don't know. I'd have to think about that one, and maybe ask Kevin. <laughs> just like I think. Uh... 
I mean, it's a lot of overlap, but like a Sea Titan Cyber Knight is definitely uh, definitely worth it. <laughs> oh, and that Sea Titan Cyber Knight is a cool character, right? That's just a cool character concept. So yeah, uh, cool. I don't I don't see any problem with that, right? I mean, plenty of different races can be Cyber Knights. Definitely. Now, uh, so I'm going to ad lib here a little bit. Of course, you are the official word. So like in my ho my house game, uh, one of my players really wants, because we're basically the way my current campaign is going. We're starting out with uh, the a fine solution uh, plot point transitioning into mm. uh, the Ex Machina plot point transitioning into with Spartacus. So that's kind of the, the plan for how we're going to do things and one player really wanted to play like the tattoo he wanted to play a dwarven tea warrior but just because you know that that image of the the tattooed dwarven berserker is just so prevalent out there so in in my game mm. yeah so in my game i'm gonna go with the house rule of the near human physiology uh limit within the race you know as long as you have that uh, in your character, then you will be subject to the same negatives as the elf when it comes to tattoo magic. So that's counter to what uh, Mr. Roberson here just said, but that's how we're going to play it at my gaming table. I can see that. And, you know, it's... Um, I never even thought about dwarves. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's a cool character concept as a game master. Um, I don't. I say, why not? Maybe he's a one-off that they created. Um, but yeah, the, the, um, the penalties from the elven physiology are, are pretty rough. So, um, it's, it's pretty brutal. So yeah, if the care, if the player is willing to, to deal with that, um, I could see that. Sure. Now, theoretically, sounds like a fun game. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I hope, uh, we've, we've kind of had some discussions. Hopefully it'll build up, uh, kind of a pseudo announcement here, I guess here in the middle is, uh, I'm trying to set it up. We, I may be transitioning this podcast into a more actual play, uh, type podcast of this group. So, uh, stand by for more on that. Cool. Uh, now, one of the other mechanics uh, going along with it, it comes with uh, magicians. So, like, your Leyline Walker, can he get, like, 30 tattoos? No. So that is one of the problems um, when you are uh, a magic user, um, wielders of the arcane. Um, if they gain more than six magic tattoos they become ta transferred into what's called a tattooed being and they're cut off from the arcane energies that they need to work their sorcery. So you can get a few, right? But you want to be really careful. Um, if you go over that line, it, it can be really bad for your, for your caster. And um, it also calls for a um, vigor check at, on the death and defeat table. So, they they could become completely crushed mentally when they lose um, their connection with magic. So, gotcha. Now on the flip side, like a psy ghost mind melter, for example, from what I've looked at, there isn't any limit to the number of magical tattoos he could get, or she. Well, a, a psy ghost can't get magic tattoos, just like a psy stalker. They're they're a human ah. mutant. Uh, another they're a, they're a human adjacent race that is an offshoot. They cannot 
just like Lemurians. Lemurians have changed their DNA. Die stalkers have different DNA. Psy ghosts have different DNA. They, they, they cannot get magic tattoos the same way. Gotcha. Let me amend. As a human mind melter. So, like, if you had a human mind <laughs> melter, because it didn't say anything about any negative interactions between ISP and the magic tattoos, only, only with the arcane backgrounds that use PPE. Is that? Am I barking up the wrong tree? Um, let me double check. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you don't you don't incur a penalty for arcane skill rolls, whether you're using PPE or ISP. Uh, so you're correct. So you could get, um, you could get, I mean, you can, you know, the, the new ink edge allows you to get once per rank to get a magic tattoo as an edge. And so you could get that all the way up to legendary. Um, yeah. But ultimately it's uh, ex either it's expending a, a edge to do that or if your gym allows you like cybernetics, then it's a investment in money. Well, I mean, the way it's written is there is no investment in money. It just it is an edge. Gotcha. Okay. So that that so it's it it's because tattoos, there's no, it, there's it's not a price because it's 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 a very powerful. In my you know estimation, my design, it's a very powerful story element. Um, if your character has at you know, the ability to get magic tattoos, that's something your game master is explicitly allowing. And that is balanced by expending an edge to get those tattoos. So, no, there is no list of this is how much credits you pay to get a tattoo. It is, it's not like that. You can't go to the local CyberDoc and just get a tattoo. And tattoo, the few tattoo masters that are rumored to be, I mean, in riffs in the core lore, they're just rumored to be out there. Do you see what I'm saying? Besides the Slugorth. So there's, you're never even given specific, there's this guy in this shop, uh, you know, in this alley or whatever, and everybody knows, <laughs> go there if you want magic tattoos. It's not, that's not how it's presented in riffs, right? Gotcha. It's, a, it's a much more mysterious uh, connection that you have to have. Cool. Uh, another weird segue. I don't know if you read any of Larry, Larry Coria's works, but one of his latest books, Servants of War, actually has something the main character their unit kind of they get these they're not really mystical tattoo they are mystical tattoos in that a the it's almost like a if a gray seer were to combine somebody with a magical tattoos and they would they would ink what they see of your future like in symbolism on your body but you you basically have to be uh they 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 agree to service you. Like if you walk in and they look at you, they're like, mm, no, you're 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 not worthy. <laughs> mm, yeah, I totally see tattoo masters um, the same way. Absolutely. Cool. Well, we kind of talked about uh, some builds and stuff like that, but the one uh, I really want to ask you, so. You know, of course, game masters, you know, uh, kind of can do what they want at their table. So what if one of your players came up to you and said, hey, for this campaign that we're doing, I want to play a, uh, was a Sunas, a Sunja uh, Assassin. Sunaj. Yeah, there you go, Sunaj Assassin. And you decide to allow it. What do you think that character would look like? How would it be built out? Ooh, um, yeah, that's one where you'll want to download that Savaging Your Favorite Riffs Ideas PDF um, because um, me, uh, Sean Fannin, and I and 
Um, so other people have all contributed to that. Um, so I think the best thing you'd want to do is you'd want to use probably the Undead Slayer as your base. Because the Sunaj are in the lore, their clan Ariman is 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 kind of like the bad boy clan of the true Atlantean clans. And they tr they secretly, for anybody out there who doesn't know about this, they secretly have um in you know, sort of like the, the undead slayers are an ancient order of inter interdimensional champions um that are part of the true Atlantean heritage. Um the Sunaj have their own kind of secret warrior society where they create these assassins the sunaj assassins um and so i think you would want to use the undead slayer as your base and then um i think the main thing to do would be to eliminate their special vampire sense and vampire slayer abilities and um you know so so, so retweak some of their complications and retweak some of their abilities so the big differences with the um with the Sunaj Assassin is one, their major psionics, but two, well, number one, the big thing is, well, I, I say the first big thing <laughs> is that they don't have as many tattoos as say an undead slayer or even a tattooed warrior. And the nice thing is that gives you points that you could use to basically build out their other abilities because they're all major psionics with a, a small repertoire of, of psychic psionic abilities. And so you could check out the uh, Sunaj assassin in Savage Foes of North America to get kind of an idea. Um, and when I wrote that, you'll see that I had already had the kernel of the idea of how tattoo magic would work um, and how it would say increased toughness and things like that. Um, when we, I did the suede edition of that, but um, yeah, so I would say you get rid of, the tattoos to match the original palladium material. And then you replace the uh, vampire slayer and vampire sensibility with uh, the, with, with a, a, your conversion of death touch. Um, one of the things I would suggest for death touch is if you check out the combat edges in the new fantasy companion, the suede fantasy companion for savage worlds, um, you could give them dirty, dirty fighter and really dirty fighter, which basically if you test opponents, you can gain the drop against them. And so um, that could be a good way to emulate uh, that kind of uh, a, a, the death touch ability, which essentially just means that when they get in really close combat with a character, they can start dealing some really mean damage to the target in, you know, just kind of high level palladium terms that way. And so I think that would be a fun way to build that out. Um, another thing that I would suggest that could be fun is... Um, give them the previous life ability from the tattooed warrior. So previous life means that your character has like a profession, like the cyber doc or operator special ability that they can use. They gain a couple of points and skills or a special Mars based ability, like say the operator's gearhead where they can reroll a repair roll, um, something like that. And, and instead of it being their previous profession, that's kind of like their cover story that the Sunaj assassin might have. Um, you combine that with um, psychic powers like disguise and stuff like that, and suddenly I think you've got a really cool, um, you know, tattoo-toting true Atlantean assassin concept. That's pretty cool, actually. That's uh, yeah. I I asked you that question, and I'm like, hmm, I was really interested to see where you were going to go with that. Yeah, so I, hope that's, I know that's a lot of steps, but, I mean, it's not 
to do it right, you want to, you know, you want to have those details in there. But I think that you can get pretty far um, building off of the Undead Slayer and just remembering the base ideas. Like, for instance, tattoos are generally worth two build points. Um, the um, the previous uh, the previous life ability um, of the tattooed warrior, I would say, is worth about three build points. And um, so, you know, kind of build pointed out and, you know, do your math and, and stat it out. And I think you'll get something that's pretty cool. But but again, very on the level, uh, similar level as like the Undead Slayer. Gotcha. Cool. Well, so uh, I'll be honest, I haven't been on the, the peg boards in a while. Are there any uh, questions dealing with like tattoos or Atlantis in general that's come up on there that you'd like to address right now? surprisingly no um it's it's gone fairly smoothly when it comes to tattoo magic and um i mean i think that people i think that with uh, atlantis and the demon seas we had a really good fan feedback period and some really good play testing and you know hopefully um, some decent writing on my part um and so i think we ended up with something that's pretty clean for for savage rifts right because rifts is you know touches everything right but if you go look it up um just keep you know keep an eye on the specific wording around some of the different uh tattooed abilities um and one thing for instance we haven't discussed is that um tattooed warriors undead slayers they need to be able to physically touch their tattoos in order to activate them and there are even edges uh the iconic edges um that you can get um Actually, they're technically weird edges that you can get that allow you to activate those more easily without or without multi-action penalties, right? And things like that. But yeah, a lot of the answers are there. So the fan feedback period went really well. I'm pretty happy with it. So um, of course, that means that tomorrow someone's going to be like, oh, no, you know, <laughs> and something really crazy that I that we missed and in, in, in posted in the, the official Q&A. But <laughs> agreed. And so, since we've been talking about tattoo magic, we'll see the Changku dragon in the end of 2023. Ha! I, I'm not going to make any promises. Jody cuts off fingers for stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, the Changku will the the aim for the Changku is to release them when uh, they equivalent to the England book material is covered. So. Um, without getting in super into future projections um the next big thing is likely going to be a europe book and so um i would imagine that chengku would fit in right there gotcha you heard it here first people <laughs> okay so on the production side sean you guys have been very busy as of today the peg riffs double feature game changer can you, uh, is sitting at 62,000 basically $62,300, and that's with right at nine days left in the Game Changer. And so uh, what Correct. products are actually included in that? Um, so the big, the main big items included in that is there is the Land of a Thousand Islands, which is the South America world book for Rifts or Savage Worlds. Now, just as a note to people there, with the Land of a Thousand Islands, well, actually, we'll talk about that in a second. We'll talk about each thing in a second. But there's Land of a Thousand Islands, the new world book, um, similar to the other ones, um, 192 pages, uh, plot point campaign, new character options. And then there is the Terror on the Dark Frontier, which is the first ever Rifts box campaign set. 
Um, and that also includes um, 192-ish, um, I think that's where we're going to end up, um, Game Master Adventure Guide. Um, there is a 16-page player guide. Um, there are four sheets of pawns for the unique monsters and enemies that you find within that box set. Um, and there are, as well, there is a um, uh, two two-sided maps, so four maps total, um, four battle maps for you to use throughout the campaign for different sites um, within the New West um, Coalition Frontier region. Um, and then... There's also uh, the Rifts Pawn Set 2, which has, um, I believe, uh, it, it's going to have, uh, it's, it's the same number of, of sheets as the Rifts Pawn Set 1, so um, over eight uh, pawn sheets, as and um, probably a similar, we're still you know, getting the details dialed in right now uh, with our pawn wizards like Jess, and, uh, but uh, it's going to be um, over 100 new pawns as well and that is also including all the new uh the new style coalition armor and skelebots and armor you know power armor and robots and stuff like that wow that's that's a lot of stuff uh the only thing you're missing that's is tough. is a riffs themed chase deck that's the only thing you're missing man <laughs> yes i'd really like to do one at some point um but uh, yeah, we we and we've even talked about things like that. When when it came down to brass tacks with a lot of the products, though, we really felt like um, extra battle maps, the pawns, and um, some some special item cards are going to be the right thing to do for the core campaign uh, for Terror on the Dark Frontier. So awesome so let's talk about land of a thousand islands south of the south america book so a couple times you've mentioned in different interviews how you and the team have deep dived into south america one south america two and which were both written in the 102 pa and extrapolated right. to 109 so you talk about like major wars so is it one big huge war that's breaking out or is it a bunch of little wars that are breaking out around the uh around the continent when you get to the point in this book it, it, it's multiple major conflicts so I'll, I'll go through those and yeah this is a really cool thing because um actually when i had first created this um and was working on the document there what we didn't have a savage drifts development team right um, and so the first couple of iterations, though, I'd send it to Kevin and he's like, you know, hey, man, it's been a few decades since I read that book or not since I read it, but, I, you know, we worked, wrote it and I reviewed it. And he's like, I don't you know, I what basically what I was doing was I was giving him the new things that were happening, but I wasn't giving him reference to, you know, quotes from the original books. So I ended up redoing the whole document with, you know, quotes from South America one and two so that he could easily see, oh, yeah, that would naturally lead into or, or not, right? These other plot points um, that would that would as the timeline move move forward. Um, and at that point, you know, we had other um, writers getting involved, and I talked to a couple of them, and had they had a couple of ideas um, for different factions that they were excited to write about um, for the South America book. And so um, I presented those ideas to Kevin as well, and um, he really he really liked um, the ideas. I mean, a lot of it was. 
I, if you go read through South America one and two, it's really interesting because it, it, there's a lot of this is about to happen. And you could play through that or the beginning stages of whatever they're talking about, like the Cordoba Santiago war or the, um, Cor you know, uh, Colombia versus the Hakla vampire kingdom conflict or what's Lagarto, the lizard uh, kingdom going to do right as they expand with the Splugorth supplied weapons. Um, what's going to happen with the um, Megaversal Legion, right? There's all these other, uh, what's going to happen with the Archon invaders, um, the Incans. So there's a lot of conflict that's already started, but all, a lot of larger conflict that's about to break out. And so um, I would say when you see the timeline moved up to 109 PA, a lot of different things have happened. There's been a lot of skirmishes between factions and wars or battles and different things that have happened. But the kind of the key points um, is, you know, Colombia is still engaged with their conflict with, um, with the vampire kingdom, the Hakla vampire um, kingdom. But um, they also are on the defensive fighting at war of aggression by Lagarto and um the, and the lizard men there and the lagartans have basically hired a bunch of the pirates in the region as privateers um to help them prosecute their war against colombia and bahia which is um a neighboring uh faction based uh with based on uh voodoo right they their their whole government and structure is is, is really unique and interesting um but uh Kind of a, I guess you'd say like a theocratic uh, system, and then um, the the other big thing that happens is Colombia, um, or yeah, uh, no, sorry, um, oh man, Cordoba has invaded Santiago, and so you have a big conflict there that opens up into a wider conflict as all the neighboring factions get involved including the archon the archon alien invasion as so the archons take the opportunity of all of their opponents getting into these huge conflicts to vastly expand their territory um and that's when um cordoba hires the 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 dictator in cordoba hires the megaversal legion to help him out and pays them in land so there's a, a there's a lot of story progression and faction progression for the megaversal legion for the cordoba santiago conflict um, for lagarto um, for all the factions in the setting it's not quite a free-for-all where everyone's killing everybody um it, it there's actually a lot of interesting battle lines that are drawn and a lot of factions um like the achilles republic have to carefully choose their allies and their enemies um and there are some unexpected uh unexpected uh allies as well so that's that i think that's a lot of fun um thing about the book is that it brings the timeline all the way up to 109 pa in a lot of ways um this kind of you're going to see this material it's core it's canon um in future riffs products but um this is kind of like south america 3 because it, it brings all that conflict up to this new this new timeline and has all tons of all new adventure material to go with it in this new timeline Wow, that's that's pretty awesome, actually. That uh, uh, you were given the opportunity to do that, and it's really interesting, just from a, a political and historical perspective. Like, what would a continental war in South America look like? That's that's kind of cool. Yeah, and it's really weird too because it's the land of a thousand islands since the coming of the rifts. That's what the natives call it. They know it all used to be one big landmass, but 
the um the amazon river has gotten massively huge uh the water levels have risen enough that you really you can't just succeed with with ground power you have to have sea power as well and so that's a big challenge for some of the different factions in the setting um and it, i think that with the with the tomorrow legion getting involved they get involved through um in, in anyone who's um uh, familiar with the uh, Atlantis and the Demon Seas book, there's the new um, Avenger Armaments, which is the successor to Ironheart Armaments, and they produce a lot of naval-going weapons and ships and material. And so they help the Tomorrow Legion uh, get in contact with the factions in the region, including uh, the Megaversal Legion, as long as hopefully they don't kill each other when they run into each other. Um, the the you know Tomorrow Legion and the Megaversal Legion. But you've got the opportunity to have really really cool allies there and for the the players to do all types of adventures um in in the region trying to avert war or end war or you know handle conflict or help people that have and, and i've even gone into um a lot of the different smaller you know conflicts going on with say the incans and stuff like that so there's a lot going on yeah it was a, a pretty packed full two books so i guess with you saying that so as allies for the heroes probably the megaversal legion probably one what the i forget the different seven uh, the cities of gold um are there any others that would be staying out as hero or allies for the heroes um well i mean the um let me see let me think um so I mean, Maga Island is um, potentially with the with the jungle elves. They are potentially um, allies, but they don't really trust outsiders. So that's going to be a lot of work for the Tomorrow Legion to really get in good with them. Um, I mean, it's definitely possible. Um, I think that Manoa is one of the one of the um, one of the cities of gold um, that's run by True Atlanteans, and um, they have the monster shaping. Uh, you know, tattoos and stuff like that. They, they, um, they are another good um, option. And in fact, you can play as um, the Amazon Huntress um, in as one of the iconic frameworks. So, and they they come from uh, the Manoa uh, city. So they're the al allies to the Atlanteans there, the true Atlanteans there. So yeah, that's um, that's one that's another good faction that can be um, allied with. Um, and then, yeah, the Megaversal Legion for sure, of course. Um, the other factions, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to say. I think that um, some of the Silver River Republics, like uh, the Achilles Republic, New Babylon, um, they are, and in fact, New Babylon is qu it has quite a bit of expansion on the names and the the different factions in some of the the cities in the Southern Federation and stuff that I think people will find really interesting. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different factions that you could potentially ally with or become frenemies with. Awesome. That's always good to know. So let's talk some player options then. Uh, so what new species uh, could people like the Amaki, Blizzardmen, Archons, or are those going to be some player options? How about uh, more mutant animals? And which one's your favorite? Yes. So which one's my favorite out of the new races? Yeah. Yes, we've got the Amaki, the Archons, the Falam. Now, this is all, of course, in playtesting. 
um, you know, and, 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 uh, final layout. So I, 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 there's potential I could remove something or something could get changed. Um, but, uh, I think that that's tough. That's tough. Um, I really like, um, I really like the Amaki and we have some really great art for them as well. Um, I think that the, the Amaki duelist, um, you know, doing the combination of race and, and, and OCC or whatever is a really great thing. Um, that's going to be fun to play. Um, the, um, with the mutant animals, there's felinoids. Um, there are mutant chondroids, mutant neo-humans and mutant serpentoids. So there's a lot of, um, new mutant animal options that are really cool, uh, that you can use. Um, and as well as guidelines for if you want to build a flame panther or a flying tiger or a hunter cat, which are uh, oracle cats and sekhmets, these different types of, of mutant um, felines. Um, and so uh, when it comes to the character types, we have the, um, the anti-monster, the biomancer gene mage. So biomancy is in here. Um, the demigod and uh, the Gizmeteer, the line maker, the line warrior. So there's a lot of really cool stuff. Um, I think that the... I think that my favorite so far <laughs> is, is the Demigod. Uh, the Demigod is pretty cool. So um, uh, PK Levine on the on the, the development team did a really good job working on it. We've done a lot of re review. There's been good play testing. I think that, that it's going to really... It's not just... So the Demigod, one of the challenges is what kind of you know, demigods do allow, how do you structure it? And the way that um, we've structured it is that I think people are going to really be able to enjoy being able to choose sort of classic um, demigod and, and divine options that could fit into all types of cultures and pantheons. Um, and so, you know, for instance, they've got, we've got beauty, love, and communication is one type. Another is warriors of the fours, the masters of arms, or strength and discipline, or chaos and trickery, um, oceans and rivers, death and sickness in the underworld, earth and harvesting and life. So there's there's a lot of these really cool categories that I think you could build um, characters that come from a Greek tradition or an Egyptian tradition or a Norse tradition or a, um, you know, an Irish tradition or a Native American, uh, you know, tradition. There's all types of, uh, I think uh, I also, uh, I was an analyst, a Chinese analyst and uh, also lived overseas. I think that you could do um, the, a lot of Asian traditions, um, uh, you know, supernatural traditions for the using the demigod um, write-up that we have. So I think people are going to really get a lot of mileage out of this one that it's not just, I mean, it, it fits in this book because in South America and the land of a thousand islands, the Incans, they have demigods. They're the, the gods have returned the Incan gods have returned demigods walk amongst men. Right? So that makes sense, but you're going to be able to take the, the demigod from this book and also um, similarly, the priest from this book and do all types of stuff with it and create all types of characters. That's pretty cool. So for your Manoa character, you could make uh, make Wonder Woman, for example. 
You could. <laughs> and and the the uh the Lantean um huntress is pretty pretty cool and we've got oh some really killer art for her as well actually you can see it if you go to the game changer uh web page on pegging.com and just click on the link for the for the game changer uh the the she's it's it's a really cool cross between um the traditional art for the amazon warriors that you would see on ancient greek pottery and then um with a color and detail scheme that matches uh female warriors female tribal warriors from the Amazon, like actual female tribal warriors from the Amazon today um, in South America. So I think it's a really neat combination. That's actually, I just looked at it. It's a pretty slick uh, art piece. So you uh, also had mentioned breathing new life into crazies and techno wizards. So how crazy are we actually going to get? Crazy. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so, you know, with, with this set, and, and it's not just this book, right? Because, um, so Terror on the Dark Frontier in the player booklet, um, we have a lot of fun options that we added. So if you want to play a Wired Gunslinger, which is the Gunslinger version of a Crazy, um, a Cyber Slinger, the Gunslinger version of a Combat Cyborg, those options are in that, um, that player booklet, um, in that box set. But also, um, just as a, an example, we have um, you can play as a uh, a destroyer Borg, which is part of the um, tomorrow legion or the the, uh, the the megaversal legion, right? It's the the combat cyborgs from that are part of the megaversal legion. Ah. You can play a free Borg, which is a what well, is you started out as a slave Borg. Um, and it gives you some extra character customization options there. Um, the Plains Borg from South America is also here. So those are a lot of different, uh, and there's a cyber humanoid, which is a kind of like a undercover Borg that's designed to be able to alter its appearance and pass as a normal human. Um, which happens a lot in the Rift's lore when someone, for instance, uh, turns in they they you know they say they in their term of service as a combat cyborg and they're retrofitted as a as a as a humanoid borg that is not meant to be like on combat front lines right um so i think we've got some really cool options there and then um for the crazy um we have um the cynetic and ultra crazy conversions as well um, so that's going to be, um, I think that's, that's, people are going to really enjoy that and an Ecto Traveler conversion. So these are all different crazy options, um, that I think people are going to get a lot of mileage out of. Awesome. It's good to see the crazy getting a little bit of love. It's one of those, as I said in the, uh, the crazy episode, it's one of those that gets a little forgotten because it kind of stands between the, the juicer and the, uh, cyber knight in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we're we're still talking player stuff, and you know everybody loves their guns, loves their gear. Are we going to see some uh, Largato dinosaur powered armor in Mecca? <laughs> <laughs> of course, it wouldn't be riffs without stuff like that, right? Um, yeah, we've got a lot of gear in this book. So um, again, sort of if you're familiar with Atlantis and the Demon Seas, where there's just pages and pages of gear, it's a similar kind of thing. We have um, pages of, uh, uh, you know, 
full of new ranged weapons, uh, body armor, um, combat exoskeletons, and power armor. Um, we have some really cool art for a lot of this stuff too. I think that the artists that have really been um, outdoing themselves. So um, some of this stuff that's more, you know, that players could purchase is is in the gear chapter, right? And then um, other items are that are say faction specific that you couldn't normally just you know get you can't just go to buy a you know katani carnosaurus series uh power armor robot vehicle right so you you know the like the tyrannosaurus robot or the raptor power armor um those those are in that specific section when you get to the kingdom of legarto um but yeah, I think people are going to really enjoy all the new gear and tech that's running around and including Minoan um, techno wizardry weapons, the hoplite power armor. Um, it's there's a lot of really cool stuff. That's awesome to hear. Uh, yeah, those those were some very evocative images, but let's talk. Uh, oh, sorry. One more thing. Uh, so Megaversal Legion. You know, they, they were introduced as these hyper-advanced cyborgs, uh, like partial conversion borgs. Always cool that they were uh, a lost battalion of the U.S. Army from the Gulf War. Um, so right. how are you doing? Are they, is it just normal cybernetics, or have you introduced some rules for, like, advanced cybernetics? So they do have some advanced, like, options in what... Um, they have but it's not that there's like a new series of cybernetics or weapons available there um because they don't understand the conversion that a lot of them went through um that it, it's the uh, the whole backstory is that they were um janissaries they were slave warriors for another race and so when they threw off their shackles they still maintain some of the production facilities to produce the weapons and arms that they need, but um, they don't, they can't fully, they can't like offer those kind of conversions to anybody who comes to visit, nor will they. They also refuse to share that advanced technology because it's one of the few advantages they have. So there isn't like a list of new cybernetics that anybody else could take. I am looking forward to seeing these. But stats. in general, yeah, playing <laughs> one of them is sort of like playing a headhunter techno warrior, right? In that you've got an, a mix of uh, advanced uh, cybernetic uh, systems and then uh, combat skills. I will admit I am looking forward to seeing the stats for the uh, hyper-advanced hover M1 and Apache attack hover dines. <laughs> They're they're pretty cool, and um, yep, I'm I I think that you'll I think you're going to be happy. Um, I mean, if you like what comes before, you're going to like what'll come then. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, so for the GM though, let's talk bad guys. Um, so like Cebola, for example, are we going to see like the Pincer Warrior? Are we going to see the uh, uh, the Dragon Hunter uh, Giants? I forget the Pot Goal or something like that. The Pog Talon. Yeah. Yes, we have the Dragon Death Power Armor and Pog Pog Talon. Uh, dragon slayers. Yep. And uh, Cibola, the like the flying platforms, the pincher warriors, the gatherers. Um, all yeah, that is all definitely present. Awesome. The idea of giants clad in powered armor. That <laughs> seeing that in in that book was like, oh my god, yes, we could do this. Wait, we and, did and, this. <laughs> 
I'm really happy with the art again. I, I know I keep mentioning that, but I, I think that a lot of the fans are going to see, I think a lot of people saw that Atlantis and the demon seas really was a big step forward. Right. Um, they, there was just really, really killer art throughout the book. And I think that you're going to see the same thing with Rift's pawn set too, with the land of a thousand islands with terror on the dark frontier. I mean, you've seen the cover art, right. And, and a lot of the stuff on the game changer page. Well, that's just emblematic of, of, of just a lot of great art. It's not like we, we went through and picked like the only good 10 pieces of art to share. Right. It's all really cool. Yeah. It's like, Palladium Rifts, I mean, that's that's one of the things when you talk to anybody who got into Palladium Rifts, is the, the original art, I mean, there are some books that are like, eh, but most of the art from original, from Palladium Rifts is so evocative, and I think Peg has done a really good job of taking that, colorizing it, uh, kind of keeping it in the same, like, same kind of theme, but kind of making it own as its own as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I think so. I think so, and it's cool. Always cool to see it in full color as well. Oh yes, definitely. All right. So, any hints you can give us for the South America plot point campaign? I mean, you're talking about wars and and rumors of wars. Is that really going to be what the what the campaign revolves around? Yes, I mean the campaign is is definitely revolving around the core conflicts in the setting, and um, I can say that. Um, yeah, the iconic mashup of the Far Legion getting to meet the uh, Megaversal Legion. Um, that is definitely happening. Um, and uh, yeah, you'll have to wait and see. But that just like if you look at the cover of the book, there's a lot of uh, high level, high level conflicts going on. You're going to be involved in all types of stuff, fighting uh, the Archons and and all types of uh, all types of dastardly bad guys in the South America setting. Um, and, you know, um, there's going to be some uh, I think there's going to be a lot of good opportunities for, again, for players to make connections with various factions. Awesome. I mean, I'll admit, so two things about South America, Palladium South America, that just kind of caught me that I always loved is one, I loved, I loved the Archon. I loved that they were actually like alien invaders from Earth's actual dimension, not megaversal folks, but actual aliens that kind of in the realm of like the Zentradi from Robotech. So that's one thing I really right. enjoyed. The other thing, and this is a campaign that I've ha been having in the back burner of my brain for decades now, but there's one, like one little two lines in uh, the description of the gate pyramids in Cibola that talks about basically it's a gate that links to Invid Invasion Earth in Robotech. Now I'm sure you're not gonna oh. have that in there because of, of, of you know rights. No, we we can't <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I I always had this kind of this uh this idea in mind for a Robotech campaign where you started out Invid Invasion Earth and you start out as beat down guerrilla fighters and then suddenly this alien by the name of Trader Joe shows up with Naruni Enterprise weapons and he starts trading out for this goofy like protoculture powered stuff and then suddenly they find out that this guy is going to go back to Naruni Enterprises and try to coordinate an invasion of Robotech Earth to take over the protoculture trade. <laughs> wow, that's that's cool. Yeah, that's I mean, that's the great thing, right, is that 
this is all right here for any game master to use any way they want, right? So you have cool ideas, run with it. Like your idea, you said, you know, your your friend wants to run a, a character that's a dwarf with with tattoos. I mean, yeah, don't feel like it's your own game. Do what you want with it, right? I would say that you're, for instance, using the same complications that an elf would have, right, in the setting. Um, that makes sense to me. But yeah, have fun with it. Do what you want with it. There's all types of books out there from that you can use from Savage Worlds, whether it's it's uh, Ace material or it's you know Savage Pathfinder or Deadlands um, or we just we added to the Savage your favorite Rifts ideas uh, document. There are rules now for you to use uh, the superpowers companion and build characters using that and use them in in Savage Rifts. So I would say have fun with it do that crossover material that's what riffs is about it's about doing that crazy stuff that yeah of course i can't go say we're going to go cross the streams and put superman into our robotech campaign with you know what i mean but you can do that in your own home game and, and i i encourage people to have fun with it exactly so and for those people that are looking forward, there is uh, a Savage Worlds conversion for uh, at least uh, the Robotech, the initial Robotech saga. So go check that out. Uh, anything? Yes, and it's very good. Oh, very yeah, good. It's great. And uh, Mr. Thompson, the writers, he's just an amazing guy as well. Yeah. So, um, I would also I want to throw out there anything you want to add about Land of a Thousand Islands before we move on to the next portion. No, I I think we're good. I think we're good. <laughs> I talked up a lot of it. So I think people are going to enjoy it. And again, if you're um, an old school Rifts fan or a new school Rifts fan, if you're a new school Rifts fan, I would say you de there's a lot here. You can run entire campaigns in, in South America. And so go pick up the Palladium books so that you can get all that background detail um, and expanded detail. And then if you're, uh, you know, an old school riffs fan, then I would say this is a great book because not only do we give you the conversion, the rules conversions you need to use all this stuff with Savage Rifts, which is a lot of fun, but there's a ton of new art. There's going to be a really great map of South America um, that's coming with this, uh, like the map of North America, as well as uh, the whole pawn set. And then you're, all of this is canon, right? So this builds the plot line up to mid 109 PA right before the menu war kicks off. So that could give you all types of ideas and, 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 and ways to integrate that into uh, your own campaigns. Bef long before, we, you know, for at Palladium, we don't have uh, plans of doing, you know, South America 3 anytime soon, right? So this is long before that has come out. There's already uh, great material you could use right here. Awesome. Now, I really hope that the uh, the South America map is in the same scale as a North America map, just because I'm I'm laying it yes. out on my wall, kind of in the way it's supposed to be. So, <laughs> yes, we're orienting it vertically instead of horizontally, so that we can accommodate that. I I think it should be in the same scale. I mean, that's a lot of that's in progress, so I'd hate to make a promise, but I think that that is doable, and I think that's what we're going to get. Awesome. It's important to me too. Alrighty, so uh, part of the the you know riffs double feature 
triple feature is uh, Terror on the Dark Frontier. So the first box set campaign for Rifts ever. Now I do want to start out in saying this one's dear, near and dear to my heart because my home state is Kansas. So the fact that uh, the Dark Frontier is my hometown and in, in my home area is really going to be fun. I'm glad. I'm glad you're excited. I'm excited too. I'm. I'm a. I have a lot of family from Oklahoma, North Texas, and and stuff. So I think this is a pretty cool, pretty cool setting too. Now, uh, recently, Aaron, one of the uh, one of your development team, was talking over at Wobblies and Wizards uh, podcast about the box set. Mm-hmm. Pretty good uh, discussion. So I definitely recommend go listen to that. Um, so is this box set kind of on the same template as the uh, Deadlands Horror on Headstone Hills campaign box? Yeah, it's a it's going to be similarly sized, um, and uh, the approach is is I, I don't know if I would say it's the exact same approach to how we did it or how they did it there, um, but um, the but it is very similar in scope and scale, um, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, completely. So what's your favorite thing about this campaign? Like what, like if you were to point to one thing, I mean, you already talked about the book. It's like a hundred nine. So literally in the box, we're getting a book that's as big as every other Savage Rifts book out there. But what else, like if you could point to one thing that as your, I love this one thing, what would it be? So (laughs) I'm going to have to say that it's the adventures. Um, the, the 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 box is full of really fun adventure material that builds not just a plot point campaign but a whole a whole region a whole detailed region to explore um i and it's a little different than i'm so when juicer uprising came out um one of the things that i enjoyed about juicer uprising is there was the whole juicer uprising storyline that you could play out with new town and and the vlax and all this other stuff um and of course, the coalition and, and the Juicer Army of Liberation, but um, there was also this detailed information about Kingsdale and um, El Dorado. Well, and it's, it doesn't approach it the exact same way, but in this book, um, this this campaign book, the cool thing is that each of the major regions, the four uh, major regions in the Dark Frontier in the Coalition Frontier area, are are broken down, so you can see. How how the the you know there's a creeping darkness that's in the region and um you know I, I don't know if you call it like the corruption or or whatever the infestation that's taken hold it manifests in different ways in each area but there's there's uh, really great world building where you can you, you you could easily have your 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 players and it's just just fun to read um, go to all these different re- areas in the region these different towns and settlements and cities. Um, we also have iconic locations um, that you can go to and visit. And then um, each section, each region also has its own um, encounter table, but not just a combat encounter, but also travel encounter tables. So, it, you know, allies and, and obstacles and, and things like that um, and treasure that you could run into, run across. So it's, it, that's one of the things that I think is really neat about it is that it feels like it feel when you read through it as a, 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 a you know I, I don't know I'm always like kind of a game master in my head right, um, but game masters players I think will really enjoy the depth of the of the of, of the story that comes to the whole region, and then on top of that there's a plot point campaign so you could 
intersperse a lot of these different events in you know as you're gaming through the plot point campaign if if the players really want to go off and check out this side tangent or dive into this one this one region or city or settlement or whatever or you can also have that to explore before or after um working your way through the plot point campaign so i think that the kind of the modular nature of it where it's a cool hybrid between having a really cool structured campaign story and uh, plot point campaign story line and then also having a bunch of like regional savage tales and encounters and background i think it really brings um you know the eastern portion of the new west um to life like we've never seen before in rifts that's really cool now you did say one thing about uh, uh encounter uh generators are there going to be new encounter tables in south america as well Yes, yeah, just like with um, Atlantis and the Demon Seas, you have um, new encounter an, an encounter table for each of the world book like chapters, each gotcha. one of the major regions that are broken down. And does this uh, does uh, Terrors on the Dark Frontier and South America do they add uh, new heroes journey tables? Um, I believe we're going to have a new heroes journey table in South America, but not Terror on the Dark Frontier. Um, similarly, Terra on the Dark Frontier doesn't have like a ton of new equipment, um, right? It, it's it's mostly focused on um, some really cool character options in you know that that kind of expand on West theme, and then um, there are now there are cool items and different things that you can get through the campaign and through the storyline, um, but uh, but yeah, it's focused on that story. Gotcha. So we're not going to see any of the more like the native preserved technology, uh, like any of the robots or powered armor or anything like that. Um, no, in this case. So if you, um, it's interesting in the lore, uh, the Comanche preserve, um, is not one of the purveyors that have access to a lot of the really advanced technology. Um, there are some notes about a few different suits and things like that here and there. Um, but in general, they're not, I think it's the Apache that have more of the, um, they have like a whole production facility with all different types of like a same as variant and stuff like that. Um, that the, the Comanche do not have the same thing natively. And that's actually kind of a plot point in it is that you get to meet the Comanche at, uh, Fort Comanche and, you know, the different leaders, um, of the tribe and, parlay how they're going to are they going to uh welcome a northern gun trading post are they going to you know ally with the tomorrow legion how are they going to deal with the coalition and the encroaching coalition settlers there's a lot of and that's a, that's one of the big conflicts in the region how are they what is their path forward okay that's cool are we going to see any new uh game master toys for the cs uh, yeah, there's a little bit of new game master toys for the CS. Um, not a ton, but you're you're also going to see a lot of things that are in Empires of Humanity, um, fully implemented here and in the Pawn Set Three or Pawn Set Two. Sorry. Um, so, for instance, um, you know a lot of the new style Coalition stuff, the new Coalition Ranger, um, the the, the uh, you know the 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 strike cyborg, the juicer, right? CS juicer, stuff like that um, are things that you can run into in this book. 
um, as well as I think that um, people are really going to enjoy uh, a lot of the character options because we do have an expanded uh, take on things like the totem warrior and stuff like that. So the paradox shaman. So I think that's people are going to really enjoy those new expanded options for Native American and New West heroes. Awesome. Um, are there any uh, new mechanics that you introduce in the campaign box for uh, for the game masters? No, no. The campaign box again is focused on the campaign. So, awesome. Okay. Well, and even though this is the Rifts double feature game changer, there's definitely some more products in there. So you've talked off and on about the pawns uh, set, pawn set two coming out. Um, right. What like so? If you could just go over that, like you talked about the CS. What are some other things? Are there going to be like South America pawns in there, for example? Yes, so the so the pawn set is focused on two things. Um, well, and and first, this is a note. Um, well, and I will throw this out there: game masters and players alike, I think, are going to be really excited. So, one of the things I will say about Terror on the Dark Frontier is that it does include a lot of monsters, a lot of classic Rift monsters that hadn't made it into. Um, into the into you know books before so um for instance the black wing monster men uh the um black fairies and things like that um are take a very prominent role in in this um in, in that box set so there's a lot of extra monsters and things that people will be familiar with that you're finally going to get a hold of there um and then when it comes to the pawn set too and so that and to be clear that box contains the pawns for those monsters um so you'll have the rules and the pawns in that box set now the pawn set two is focused on uh south america and also backfilling a lot of stuff that we didn't we weren't able to cover in the initial rifts pawn set so um that includes um a lot of the new style coalition uh coalition troops so the the new style grunt new style gunner new style skelebot new style commando new style ranger new style juicer right um and uh and then uh it also has the mark 9 epc in it um so people will get that as well the super cool. samus uh cyber sky the sky king the mauler a uh, coalition mauler and then um there's a lot of backfill for different items that weren't uh, represented before, like um, the Federation of Magic Corrupt, the Mystic Knight, um, a Headhunter, um, a Militia Pawn, um, Pecos Raiders, Wild Vampires, Wild Sigh Stalkers, um, uh, Witchling, um, and let's see, Zytikic Hunter, um, Bandito Armed Samus, Hover Cycles, and Robot Horse, uh, oh. Elementals. Fury Beetle, the Trax Ultimax, um, the Mountaineer ATV Mark One, the Hellraiser, the NGV61 Gunwolf, Rhino Buffalo, and um, Bandits, <laughs> First Apocalyptic Cavalry Soldiers, um, Black Market Enforcers. You know, a lot of stuff that you that are in Savage Foes in North America, but you don't have a way to bring it to the table. Well, now you can. And the Spider Skullwalker. So. I think a lot of people will be excited about that as well. Wow. And then on top of that, 
have a ton of stuff for South America itself. So, you know, lizard folk, um, the Amaki duelist, Archon soldiers, um, the Archon spectral hunter cyborg, um, Biomancer, you know, stuff for basically all of your major character options are represented as pawns. Um, the jungle elves, um, different Loa, the Nazca line maker and, and Nazca rune warrior, Megaversal troopers, um, pop light power armor, blood lizards, um, King Kriang of the pirate kingdoms, uh, Nazca power armor, Larhold barbarians and war bison, uh, Archon various Archon vehicles, um, Pogtalian Dragon Slayer. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's also new to uh, South America. We've got a ton of pawns for this. So you're going to be able to use uh, your South America stuff very quickly. You'll be able to immediately bring that to the table. Wow. That's a lot of pawns. It's a lot. <laughs> Wow, that's wow. Well, so that that's pretty amazing. I've right? been I've been I've been busy, and our, our team has been very busy. So, um, again, kudos and credit to uh, Sigil Entertainment, the wonderful folks with Sigil, and um, our pawn wizards like Jess. And uh, yeah, but it's been it's been a lot of hard work um, putting this all together. So that's uh, amazing. kudos also to the Savage Rifts design team. So that's awesome. Okay, so Savage Rifts, the Merry Riftmas are Rifts double header. Basically, you've got your into nine days counting down. We're at about sixty-three or sixty-two thousand three hundred dollars. You know, go out there and I remember game changer when you actually put your money down, they cash you out. Then it's not like Kickstarter that cashes out at the end. But you've got you've got a little over a week to to jump in now. Yep, now's the time. So don't forget, jump in. Um, don't you don't want to miss out because these are. I, I will say with the game changer, these are really good deals. As usual, um, you can get a lot of product all at once, and um, I think that it's uh, it the, it's it's sad when people miss out, right? Because then later on they're like, oh, uh, you know, they have to spend quite a bit more money to get all the different things that they want to get. Well, I'd say jump in now. Um, we also have. Um, uh, archetype dossiers um, that were those were very well received and very popular from the Atlantis um, and the Demon Seas campaign, and so we also have beautiful archetype dossiers coming up for this set as well. Um, in addition to the the awesome pawn set, if you haven't seen Rift's pawn set one, um, people have really enjoyed it. I think you're going to also love uh, love 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 the Rift's pawn set two and all the really really killer art that it contains. So. Um, definitely go check that out at uh, peginc.com and uh, just click on the link for the game changer. And and yeah, please uh, please go check it out before it ends on January 6th. And we appreciate all your support. Yeah, and I'll make sure that I get the link in the show notes when I release it. But, you know, talking about... I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, no problem. But talking about Crowdfunder, in addition, like we said, very merry Riftsmas. So Palladium, on the Palladium side, you guys uh, completed the Titan Robotics Kickstarter. Um, So we're not... And the thing is, it's not just Palladium books, folks. If you haven't been paying attention, Sean and Kevin kind of did a, a surprise round. We're getting Savage Rifts content from Palladium Direct. Yes. Um, so what what we've done is we had some fans ask about it and suggest it, some really great fans. 
And uh, it was a great idea. It took me a while to, to realize how good of an idea it was. I, it just, you know, I guess cross promotion should have been the first thing on my mind. Um, but uh, no, we've got basically it, the, the new, the new Kickstarter we just did um, that I built and ran is the Titan robotics Kickstarter. And so it's for a new um, source book for risk for, or for actually not risk for savage worlds, just palladium riffs. Um, just riffs. And um, it's my first uh, big product like that. The first thing I worked on, uh, well, I worked on the Rifter 85, um, but uh, putting that together and curating that. But this is the first source book that I've worked on on the Palladium side. Um, and uh, the, the original manuscript by the illustrious Matthew Clements, he did an, an awesome job. And um, we got a lot of really, really killer and amazing art back from... Um, wonderful artists like Chuck Walton and um, Stephen Cummings. Uh, Stephen did a lot of the art in, that appears in this book. And that, of course, you have wonderful... I don't know if anyone's familiar with Stephen Cummings, but go check him out. He works uh, He he works on, He works works on. for Marvel Comics um, on the uh, Star Wars and I think uh, maybe some Mandalorian stuff now for, oh, for Marvel cool. Comics. But he's, he's killer. He's great. And he um, did some really awesome work for this book. We've got really, really, really iconic art. And the details from that art are now, you know, one of the big things that I've worked on is pulling those details into back into the text in the book so that, you know, the number of laser cannons or gun types or whatever all match up. Um, That's and he had some really cool ideas. Um, one of the things I think people are going to think is pretty neat is there is... Um, there's the chimera weapon mount system, which is kind of a new idea for riffs in that um, on Titan robotics, certain Titan robots have a big weapon mount, um, like an armored weapon mount, and you can swap out what weapon system goes in the weapon mount. Oh, so kind of like the mod slots for uh, a normal uh, Savage Worlds, like sci-fi companion uh, vehicle. Sort of, but... but but it's it's designed to be sw hot swapped between missions so wow. you could have a a particle beam cannon or a plasma cannon or a laser or a rotary auto cannon and then you could swap literally swap those in minutes between engagements in the field so he's going full up clan wolf omni mech mad cat is what you're saying <laughs> Sort of. If if an if an Omnimech had one slot. <laughs> nice. So along now um, along with the Titan Robotics book, you also collected up all the Savage or all of the uh Cyberworks into one book as well, is that correct? Correct. So we've also uh, we're also putting out there what's called the Cyberworks collection. And this is aimed at, you know, there's a lot of people that already have all the books ever, right? And that's fine. Um, but the Cyborgs collection is meant as a collector's item for some people or for others, a really great place to enter. Because one of the things that I was concerned with is what about those Savage Worlds players, you know, Savage Rifts players that are new to this or, or um, people that we have a lot of uh, Palladium fans that, you know, they, they were, they played back in the day and now they're looking to build or rebuild their collection. And so the Cyborgs collection collects uh, Rift Sourcebook 1, Revised and Expanded, Sourcebook 2, Mechanoids, uh, Sourcebook Shimmerian Nation, as well as uh, relevant sections from Rift's Aftermath. Um, and that will bring you basically up to the Savage Rift's timeline uh, in 109, mid-109 PA. 
And then Titan Robotics brings you into the, you know, 110 PA, you know, the minion war has kicked off. What is everything that's happening right now? So these, that collection will be really great to help people get up to speed and have it all in one, one place. Cause you know, again, it's when there's 90 plus products, how do you know what you need to collect all the stuff for that one, that one Cyberworks storyline? Gotcha. Are is the uh, Titan Robotics stuff from uh, Merc Town? Is that going to be incorporated into either one of these books? So, um, yeah, some of the stuff that's previously um, saw print is is collected into Titan Robotics. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Kind of like the including uh, and also all of the. Um, so Titan Robotics is in the Manistique Imperium, and they manufacture robot and power armor suits. And um, now they do have a few weapon systems and pieces of gear or body armor. Um, but the other major weapons manufacturer is well- Wellington Industries, and they focus on small arms and uh, getting into fairly beefy, heavy weaponry um, but and some vehicles, but they don't do robots and power armor. So those two kind of make a whole when it comes to competing with other companies like, say, Northern Gun or you know, state nation, state armies like the coalition. So, um, the, the Wellington industries weapons is updated and expanded with quite a few new pieces of equipment in this book as well. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, cause the last update from them, I think we saw was probably the original Merck's book, right? Well, there was the Merc, the, there was the uh, Rifts Mercenaries, but they actually had stuff appear in, I believe, um, I think in Merc Town and some other, let me see, um, <clears throat> I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, Merc Ops is where they had some additional material appear. Um, there was a suit in um, the Vaquero body armor in, say, New West, which says it's manufactured um, in by the Manistique Imperium. So I, I also that's in there. Um, there were different vehicles that were in Juicer Uprising. Um, so there's a lot of, it's actually more than you would think. There's quite a bit of equipment. I, I was surprised when I was collecting and uh, updating all those entries to all, you know, just as one does. <laughs> yeah. well. So they're not just, it's not just copy paste. There's a lot of, there's a lot of updates and, um, and work that's gone into them. Uh, considering you're working on your doctorate thesis in Rift's history, I can I can see that. So, <laughs> so uh, so I'll be honest. I'm really excited about the uh, Titan Robotics books, and when you announced the Savage Rifts portion of that, I got even more excited. Thus, a lot of my crazy memes over the Kickstarter. Um, but when we talk, when you talk about the actual, you know, you've got tons of Palladium Rift stats. I'm really looking forward to the actual uh, lore that is generated, like with the, the various teams. But will all of that be converted into Savage Rifts? So will there be, like, all the powered armor and stuff, will that be Savage Rifts converted, or just some of it? Will there be player options like the uh, synth synthroid uh, race for uh, rifts or savage worlds, for example. Yes, so you'll have a the race option for the synthroids, which are, um, for lack of a better term, if you're familiar with Blade Runner, they have um, the their their constructs that their biological constructs. These are a little different in that 
they're human replicas, but they're still robots, right? As opposed to with Blade Runner, they're it's the, the line is very thin between them being a synthetic organism and being a real organism, right? Um, these are these are replica androids, but um, that's a new player option, and you, there's also a new OCC, the Titan Robotics Dispatcher, so you can lead a Titan Robotics uh, courier team. Um, you can play as these secret synthroid androids, um, and you can really dive into a lot of the um, the the espionage and and secrets, you know, secrets of Cyberworks and Archie and Titan Robotics um, as well in the plots. So. Um, that's something that I wanted to make sure that we definitely have available. So you'll, you're going to have that. Um, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be a Mars or if it's going to be an iconic framework. I think it's probably going to be a Mars for the, uh, the dispatcher. Um, but you'll have the race option, the character uh, framework, and then you're going to have, yeah, all of the gear from Titan robotics, um, as well as um, the major characters in, in a conversion document. Um, now, it's going to be a pure conversion document. So you definitely want to have the Titan robotics book. It's not going to be like a, you know, a full on savage riffs book. Um, but it will be very similar in that you just need to turn to that page, um, to, you know, in the conversion document in, in, you know, instead of going to the specific page in the palladium book, it's going to be kind of like a savage riffs book in reverse or something. Um, gotcha. And, and then with the Cyberworks collection, um, one of the stretch goals that um, we weren't going to quite hit, but Kevin and I decided, you know what, this is Christmas. People are really excited about it. And so we decided to give, unlock that milestone, that, that stretch goal for everyone, um, is that uh, everyone who backs the, pro back the project will also be getting, that back the project at a level where they are getting the Cyberworks collection or they have, you know, the equivalent of the cyberworks collection in pdfs um will be getting the cyberworks conversion document as well and so that will include all of the cyberworks uh core enemies and um and 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 various foes and stuff that um were in rift sourcebook one uh sourcebook uh the shimmerian nation sourcebook um because a, a lot of the core shimmerian the core shimmerian warrior the core um you know a sixty three combat robot for the cyberworks. The, uh, those are all in Empires of Humanity, but a lot of the other ones, uh, like the Insecton, the various Marians, um, Hagons, you know, Earth Saver One uh, robot vehicle and stuff, were not included right in 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 uh, Empires of Humanity. So those will all be in this conversion document as well as. Uh, the mechanoids from resource book to the mechanoids, and this is a big deal because that is again not part of the the um, the licensing agreement. Resource uh, hey, book to mechanoids is not part of the licensing agreement. You were talking about all of the um, original uh, mechanoids and Archie stuff coming from the Cyberworks collection uh, as game master uh, items. Uh, are there going to be any player-facing options coming out of this book, like new versions of the Shimmerians we can play? Can you play aberrant mechanoids, for example? Uh, will, <laughs> will there be savage one-seat sheets? Um, so there is... Um... There will not be a, additional um, adventure material, although there is an adventure that I think you could easily use with Savage Worlds, with Savage Rifts, um, that that every that all the backers are going to be getting 
um, as part of the Kickstarter um, in a PDF format. Um, so there is an introductory adventure with pre-gen characters. Um, you'd need to do a little work as a game master if you wanted to use that with Savage Rifts. Um, but that is going to be coming as one of the um, the stretch goals. Um, when it comes to um, the the Mechanoids material, which is, uh, again, um, not covered by the licensing agreement between Pinnacle and Palladium, um, one of the things is I was really excited to, to add that as an option here because I don't know if there will be another option down the road to bring the Mechanoids to Savage Worlds. So... Uh, and, and just the opportunity. There's so much to catch up on um, for for Rift's Earth that I don't know if we'll ever get to that. Right. Um, so um, with this, the one of the cool things here is that you will be getting a conversion of that material to um, Savage Rifts. And then the other thing is, is um, now we didn't, you know, uh, you know, the character facing options wasn't explicitly part of of the offer but um just like if you go and you open up empires of humanity um there's the intelligent construct character option that i designed um and at the end of that of the intelligent construct it shows you how to play how to build your own shimmerian warrior uh using that that framework um we're talking about it and we're going to see how it comes out is the option of this is how you would build an aberrant mechanoid uh, wasp or runner using the intelligent construct framework. So um, no promises. That wasn't part of uh, of you know what we what we promised for the for it, but I think it might be a fun extra that we're able to include. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, interesting side note, uh, my current gaming group that I gamed with, where I actually first got to start playing Savage Rifts, was we were running through the Mechanoid storyline in uh, 102, 103 PA, so that's where we kind of started. But um, if you could just go ahead and slip me the stats for a Mechanoid Runner, like in the next day or two, my, <laughs> uh, you know, my, my players might be facing something like that down the road soon so you know if you want to just like shoot me an email i won't let anybody know that you sent it to me <laughs> well i don't know i don't know we're still working on a lot of this stuff so um but i'll let you know if we have anything for the for you said the runner sure the yeah the runner Okay, I'll, I'll I'll double check with my guy that's working on this so um <laughs> see if we have a runner for you to play Actually, I went ahead. I did. I did exactly what you said. I actually took the um, the intellectual, the intelligent construct rules, and actually created the stats that I'm going to use. Because the fun thing about the mechanoids, i.e., Palladium's version of the um, oh god, exterminate uh, from uh, oh the Daleks, the Daleks, yeah. But not only I think the mechanoids are way cooler than the Daleks. They are way cooler, yeah. (laughs) But I mean, they're full conversion cyborgs that are also mind melters. It's like uh, you know, it's a power power gamer uh, game master's dream. So cool. Yeah, well, I I think some of them are just major psionics, (laughs) and you know. 20 foot tall multi-ton combat warframes um yeah the americanoids are scary that was one of the things that i really enjoyed when i was playing riffs as a kid you know the source book two mechanoids came out and i was like if you if there was any doubt as to i can give 
players a run for their money, uh, the mechanoids was like the solution. You do not want to mess with the mechanoids. I don't care how power, how high powered your uh, your gaming group is. You start you start uh, attracting too much mechanoid attention. You could be in for a world, literally a world of hurt, an entire dimension of angry cyborgs <laughs> coming after you. Um, yes. Yeah, actually, um, and uh, you know something I just thought of, and you know, hey, you can you can bill me for this uh, the suggestion though, <clears throat> because you talk about um, you know uh, Europe coming up in the near future, which I'm sure will lead into Russia, and one of the big things in Russia, and then also some of the later coalition books are super heavy cyborgs, which basically are just kind of like the mechanoids, right? I mean, they're they're a cyborg inside of basically powered armor equivalent. So might be something for you to, to making these conversions could lead you to the next round of conversions. Yeah, I don't know how we'll approach that. That's a good question, right? I, I kind of usually wait till <laughs> I'm getting close to, to production on something to really worry about all that kind of stuff. But and then maybe and maybe um the intelligent construct might be a good way to approach it too. I'm not sure. I'll have to take a look at that. But um no, there's it's 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 pretty neat. It's pretty neat the concept of the of the mechanoids. In fact, for Christmas, Kevin gave me um there I most people don't know this. There were three mechanoid comic books that came out years ago. Yeah, and uh Kevin gave me a copy of them. Wow, that's pretty awesome. I was pretty, yeah, I, I didn't even know it existed. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is so cool. So yeah. Um, uh, since, since joining Palladium, I've, I've, uh, I'd never been able to get my hands on the mechanoid invasion trilogy reprint. Um, and then to be able to get my hands on that and, you know, talk mechanoid stuff with Kevin and see the comic books. I mean, it's just, it's, they're pretty cool. I'm a pretty big mechanoid fanboy at this point. Yeah, actually, one of the oldest Palladium books I have on my shelf was the book The The Mechanoids with the color cover. And hell, I don't remember mm, I yeah. that. Gotcha. And actually, the funny thing is, like you, uh, we have the Coalition Manhunters book. I uh, they actually uh, kind of subcontracted out the Palladium system to a. a world for uh, it was called manhunters at one point which was very mechanoid like yeah it was like a dimension yeah that's cool all right so uh, one other segue i want to kind of ask you about and this is kind of in you know kind of in a bunch of people's uh, bailiwick so on the glitter boy podcast when you spoke to them um you meant they mentioned uh, looking at the interest overall in riffs minis so and part of this uh, the the um the Titan Robotics Kickstarter, there actually were mini sets as add-ons for the Kickstarter. So how, how exactly did the, the miniatures buy-in look from your guys' perspective? Um, yeah, that's one thing I haven't been able to double-check um, the details on, unfortunately, yet. And uh, the other thing I'll say is that we did add that after launch. And so... Um, for a lot of people, just so people that don't know, um, with the Titan Robotics Kickstarter, um, we're very, very pleased, and I'm, I'm very thankful for all of the backing backers we got. We had over a thousand backers on um, the first, you know, uh, Kickstarter for a just a Palladium, a Palladium Books book 
Um, and so uh, I was really happy to be able to run that. And I'm really appreciative of everyone who backed it. Uh, and uh, the that is you know in process moving that over to Backerkit, getting all the information we need to set everything up properly in Backerkit from Kickstarter and various other uh, places. And so um, very soon we'll be launching that on on Backerkit, so you can still get in. You won't be able to get um, the same cool uh, bundle deals um, for some of the backer levels from the Titan Robotics Kickstarter, but you will be able to get a lot of the items a la carte and. Um, possibly still at nice, nice discounts. So that we don't have those final numbers yet. So I, I still want to see how that uh, plays out with um, the backer kit funding before I give any. Um, I don't, and I, I don't know if we'll give how much details. We'll dive into that. But one of the big things that I have said before when people ask about miniatures is, um, if you, you know, if you want riffs miniatures and and you're a big fan of that um we do have quite a few already in production and available right now on our uh site at palladiumbooks.com just click on the store um and you can go check it out but um when it comes to um the miniatures bundle yeah we had uh i'm, I'm look at the numbers now we had a decent number of sales so i i, I still want to see how that full, that finishes out um, because a lot of people will will do a lot of add-ons, or, or new people will join the campaign uh, via backer kit, and then um, of course we'll need to look at it for um, not just how it performed on this Kickstarter, um, but how it performs overall through the year, uh, because most of them were released this past year and a half or so, um, two years. So cool. Yeah, and it's like the the pawn sets, like you've said, are also pretty good for uh, people who are looking to have Rift stuff on their tabletop. Uh, kind of like you, unfortunately, I'm a, a I'm a miniatures uh, hobby kind of guy as well. So um, it's really weird. Even when, uh, sometimes I have to stop myself when I'm starting my role playing games. I start thinking about what minis I'm going to use to represent what things. <laughs> so you know, when I actually run a game at a con or something, I show up with like a couple boxes of minis um you know right so it's one of those that uh and i'll be honest i have some plans uh for running things where i'll i'll actually because i've got 3d printers i'll actually uh using uh minute uh basically stuff from like hero forge i'll i'll print up the mini and just let you know log that goes along with the actual archetype uh that you guys have and i'll just give it to the players so they can they can have a mini sure. and a character so but well, and that's you know that's interesting. The the paper pawns, um, or or, or you know, the not paper pawns, but the 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 pawns. Um, they're actually a really nice die cut, um, board material. Um, but um, no, th those are really great on the tabletop, and they're appropriately sized to fit with the, you know, um, the thirty two millimeter type miniatures um, that you'll see out there, and then um, the. Uh, the Palladium books uh, miniatures are resin, the new resin miniatures that we have. If anyone hasn't seen them, they're gorgeous. Um, oh, yeah. And so those are really great if you want your major character options like the Glitter Boy, Leyline Walker, Juicer, um, Combat Cyborg, right? All that type of stuff, Coalition Soldiers. So um, definitely check those out. And um, if you if you want minis, then please buy those, and um, I think that they they could be great addition to any any Rifts Game Masters uh, repertoire. And then the pawn sets are also um, we have 
the pawns, Rift Pawn Set 1 available at a slight discount um, through the Titan Robotics um, Kickstarter well, and, and upcoming backer kit. So um, check that out. Um, and then, of course, Pawn Set 2 is available right now uh, at the um, pegging.com Game Changer for Rifts for Savage Worlds. So check all that out. It's all Rifts. I think it'll all really bring a lot to your tabletop. And, uh, you, you know, I uh, hope you enjoy it. Well, and, and, and it's funny. We also have a uh, bundle of holding going on right now, which is doing really well. The So the Game Changer, um, the Savage Rifts Game Changer, goes until January 6th. There are just like an expanded bundle of holding now that we have. Some of the best deals ever on the classic Rifts books. Um, and that is going until January 17th. And then we will also be firing up the uh, backer kit very soon for the Titan Robotics Kickstarter. Um the funny th- and then of course there's also the Christmas surprise packages which people are still getting. So um, awesome. So with that, I mean we're kind of getting close to the end here. But uh, so with two major crowdfunding events, what's that taught you about the Rifts, uh, Palladium Rifts, the Rifts fan base? So I would just say that what it's really taught me is that there we're not in a saturated market, and what I mean by that is is the the bundle of holding, they have their own list of people that they, and any you know, community that, that sees that. Right. And then, um, you know, there's certain people that see stuff through drive through RPG or they're Savage Worlds fans and they see stuff through the Savage Worlds channels or they, people that read the Palladium books weekly update, by the way, go to Peggy, uh, or sorry, palladiumbooks.com. And there's a link right at the top of the page above the cool animation of the glitter boy. So you can sign up for our uh, weekly update weekly newsletter written by Kevin Sambita. Um, I might be writing some in the near future. So there's just a lot of different people and fans out there. And it's, it's almost like the challenge is, 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 is bringing them all together because it seemed like all of these things have been very successful um, or successful to varying degrees, right? Um, with such a huge fan base and with such huge outreach. Um, it's pretty cool. I think that people, I think there's never been a better time to be a Rifts fan. That's for sure. And uh, wait till you see what we've got coming up in the future. Yeah, it uh, definitely, like I said, Merry Riftsmas and a Happy Rifts year. Um, but well, why you talk about what's coming up in the future? I mean, can you give us some hints on what people have to look forward to in the next six months, the next year, like Rift 86, for example? Yes. So um, if you are, for those of you who may not be familiar, the Rifter is a, a collection of material for all of Palladium's different settings, including fantasy, superheroes, horror, modern horror, um, zombie apocalypse, uh, and riffs. <laughs> and um, since I joined Palladium Books, that was one of the things. It had been a quarterly publication up to Rifter 84. And then um, we decided to, and it had been on hiatus for a little while, the pandemic and things like that really threw a monkey wrench into things. And putting four Rifters out a year was a lot of production time. Um, but it's, the Rifter is, 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 is fan and, you know, whether uh, experienced, inexperienced fans, or even many fans who have been published in various world books and source books and things like that, um, submit articles and art to the Rifter and for publication. And so we brought it back and it's as an annual. So Rifter 85 is the first thing I worked on when I joined, after I joined Palladium and it, it Rifter 85 is a colossal 224 pages. It even fe- features a wonderful article by, uh, Salcor here, uh, 
by Beacon. Um, and we also have a lot of information. There's a cool Rift's Adventure. There's information on expanded information on Glitter Boys. So there's a lot of really cool stuff for people to jump into and enjoy, whether you're a, a Savage Rifts or a Palladium Rifts fan. It really doesn't matter. Or just a, a fan of role-playing games in general. I think you could get a lot of material out of here um, and use it, in it, it, no matter what game system you're using. Um, Back. And then, so in the in the, the coming year, we'll Back have Rifter eighty six. Oh, sorry. That glitter no, that's boy okay. article was amazing. So, yeah, <laughs> your article was good, man. It deserved to be published. I'm I'm looking forward to the companion article in the next one um, in Rifter eighty six. So we have for this coming year, we have uh, Titan Robotics. You know, is um, in final layout and editing and um like we just were there's a lot of little things right so we just for instance i need to do a video of it but we just got in the first proof um print for the cyberworks card deck um oh by the way any savage rifts fans um there is a a new card deck as part of the um, titan robotics kickstarter so um that'll also be for sale after the backer kit ends um and you get it through the backer kit um but um, we will have that coming uh, to print and out to fans early in the year. And then um, we have Rifter 86 is incoming um, and work has already begun on that. And uh, the next thing that I'm working on after for Palladium after uh, Titan Robotics is I am going into full scale production on um, finishing up Bestiary 2, Rift's Bestiary 2. Um, Kevin is writing some material for that as well right now, um, since he just finished uh, Coalition Manhunters, not to be confused with the old Manhunters um, dimension book crossover material. Uh, this is about the Coalition assassins and secret police uh, force. And so that's really cool. And then um, we heat the next big Rifts thing that I think Kevin will be working on is Rifts Antarctica. We already have beautiful cover art from John Zalesnik, one bunch of wonderful interior art, including art by uh, Stephen Cummings and others uh, that I think people are going to really like. Um, and so keep your eyes open for that. Awesome. That, uh, that is really cool. Uh, I'll be honest. The one thing I'm truly waiting for, I have sitting over here was the, uh, the draft version of Laszlo. So I'm definitely, when that, that one comes out, that's, probably going to be a huge one on my purchase list whenever but i know you guys aren't announcing those kind of things that far in advance so yeah unfortunately you know and one that's one of the challenges um is there's you know a couple of different ways you can handle that and so um palladium for a long time has been telling people way up front uh what manuscripts are being worked on and things like that and that can be frustrating though for fans when something gets canceled or delayed for whatever reason and um so right now at palladium books we're looking to take more of a tact like pinnacle does where we don't talk about it unless it's it is a thing and it's coming very you know probably very soon either to a kickstarter or it's an active development it will be the next product release right um and so with that said, though, we do have a little bit of a backup um, of a logjam of different things that we're working on um, from what's been announced for Palladium Books. So just so that people know that, um, you know, Best Jerry 2 is the next big thing. Um, well, Kevin and for Kevin and I. And then um, as Kevin finishes up his work on that, I think we're, he's going to be moving into um, Rifts Atlantis. Or sorry, not Antarctica. Apologies. And then um, after that, uh, one of our big um, 
our big uh, uh, priorities is working on uh, Beyond the Supernatural books that have been announced many, many moons ago, um, many suns ago. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, getting the getting things like that to the fans. So awesome. uh, we appreciate everyone's patience as we work to catch up on on these releases. So a little bit more communicative of what the next couple of steps are um, just so that people understand where we're going. That's cool. And for the, uh, the Savage Worlds fans, um, Beyond the Supernatural is kind of like the Palladium version of uh, East Texas University. So um, ghost hunting, monster hunting, cryptid hunting, that kind of stuff. So that should be pretty exciting. Yeah, or the, the Supernatural TV show, or maybe even Call of Cthulhu-ish. It's, I mean, it's got its own vibe, for sure. and it's, mo- it's But it's modern horror, exactly. Awesome. Cool. All right, Sean. Well, it's uh, I've kept you on here for uh, over two hours now, and uh, I'm sure you, I know you're an hour ahead of me, so I'm sure you've got to get to work soon. So thanks for coming on. We always appreciate <laughs> it when you come drop by to talk to me. So, Well, thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to come on. And, and, and again, uh, appreciate, uh, you know, appreciate you and always have a good time chatting with you. So thanks again. If you have any refugee questions, wish to leave a mission report, or submit a Legionnaire for Legionnaire's Last Call, please email me at voiceofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're into using miniatures in your Savage Rifts games, please join my new Facebook group, the Rifts Miniatures Group. And finally, check out savagerifts.com, the premier Savage Worlds play-by-post for Rifts. This is the Voice of Hope podcast. It references the Savage Worlds game system available for Pinnacle Entertainment Group at www.paginc.com. It's unofficial media content permitted under the Media Network Content Agreement. This content is not managed, approved, or endorsed by Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Savage Worlds, all related settings, and unique characters and locations, logos, and trademarks are copyrights of Pinnacle Entertainment Group. The music in the intro and prologue are Killers and Rhino Sing by Kevin McLeod, licensed under the Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Rifts and the Megaverse are registered trademarks of Palladium Books.